I just say the whole experience has been really wonderful. I mean, I've spent years reading about all these things, researching economics and central banks and, you know, and then uh, medical fraud and all these kind of quasi esoteric subjects. And now with the making of this film, it really, uh, it all came in handy. And I was able to achieve this because of all this kind of research I had done that was very thankless. And, you know, most, a lot of people criticized me for reading useless information, but, but now it really positioned me to understand this stuff better and able to make a film like this. So yeah, I think the, the greatest thing has just been the culmination of kind of my life's work and stuff. It's been very fulfilling. With no limitations, what does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? The world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler and adventurer, Bryce Robertson and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. The idea of quarantining the well, this so-called lockdown, is a new invention and it has no foundations whatsoever, either in science or in the history of uh, controlling epidemics. When you hear lockdown, that ought to set off alarm bells somewhere in the recesses of your mind. It's a control measure and I think pretty much all that has happened since is to do with control. The COVID-19 narrative started in the mid-spring with this idea that we were going to flatten the curve or we're going to slow the spread. And the reason of being in need to flatten the curve was because we needed to spread the hospitalization of people. It transitioned seamlessly into effectively a kind of rolling barrage of lockdowns and shutdowns and quarantines and mask wearings. Border closures, school closures, social distancing, there's almost no science behind most of these. We have absolutely sacrificed science and thrown it at the feet of panic and frenzy. In January 2020, another thing started, and that was that there was a test, a PCR test. What we experience at the moment is nothing more than a PCR test pandemic. We have a simple message for all countries, test, test, test. You should not be using this test on people without symptoms. And it's never in the history of mankind, in the, in the history of medicine, there has never been testing of healthy people. And this asymptomatic is a terrifying definition, because if asymptomatic exists, then who is healthy? No one. My thought was, damn it, that's not the way we should be doing things. And what struck me right away was that I felt like I was being coached. Even if you died of a clear alternate cause, but you had COVID at the same time, it's still listed as a COVID death. There is no more deaths in 2020 than other years. The World Health Organization quietly changed the definition of the term herd immunity this year. They're changing the definition of epidemic, of pandemic. 
with this change of a definition, it was the tool how the fear was driven worldwide. And they're not stopping the pandemic. They're not stopping this mess. These countries have used COVID as the opportunity to initiate euthanasia for the elderly and disabled, to get rid of those who still remember history, and to test out how far they can go. History is really important because uh, the ones who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. The communist system really wanted to separate us. It was not called social distancing, but practically it was the same idea and the same logic. And this is to me very similar to the Soviet time where I lived. There was only one meaning. And when you had another meaning, you were declared as an enemy or as a conspiracy theory. Medicine is a big business. Big business means, unfortunately, big corruption. You have people who told me, you shouldn't discuss. This is a bad situation. Everybody must be uh, at the order saying, okay, this is like that. Meanwhile, you've had big business sort of allowed to continue business as usual, while middle America and the hardworking um, middle class of this country is just being decimated. Businesses are dying. Um, the entire middle class is very, very close to bankruptcy. We have 100 small businesses on Main Street in a community. You declare them non-essential, shut them down, suddenly Amazon and Walmart and the big box stores can come in and take away all the market share. In the meantime, the people on Main Street have to keep paying off their credit cards or their mortgage, so they're in a debt entrapment. Basically, now you've got them over a barrel and you can take away their market share, and generally they can't afford to do what they say because they're too busy trying to find money to feed their kids. This is a very, very serious uh, matter. It has nothing to do with hygiene. It has to do with criminology. Hello everyone, meet Lucy and me her digital ID wallet issued by the government. Right now, I'm reminding Lucy of the appointment she needs to schedule for her mandatory vaccination. Now they want vaccine passports to control who can go where, when. The, the health crisis uh, has been used to achieve a total control on the economy, on the lives of the people. Once you have the, the people scared, you can, they will accept everything. They will do that. They are going to tell you you're unvaccinated and you have to get a booster. If you have not been given a chance to get your booster, your full vaccination status will not lapse. There's going to be a vaccinated economy and you get to participate in that. And that's just the way it is. We've got to accept that this is the new world order. You don't need vaccine passports. They provide nothing whatsoever to you or anybody else in relation to safety, but it will give away to whoever controls that database and the rules, complete control over everything you do. 
are we somehow fueling the very system that is harming us? If you've decided someone or something is so important that you give up your liberty, re-examine that decision and claim your liberty over whatever that thing is. The only option we have is to try and live in conscience, realize this whole tyranny, this whole circus is absurd, that it is immoral, and to opt out from it. What is more important, that you everything is quiet and you don't have problems, or whether you have more problems if you don't say it. What I would say to the middle group of people who are saying, I know that this is wrong, but I'm afraid, you know, so this is your moment to stand up for your country, to stand up for your friends, your family, your community, your state, your country. Courage is, uh, is still having the motivation to fight when the odds are stacked against you. I hope that uh, the conscious citizen will go on to, to fight, to regenerate the, the society and, and all the world. I hope that they will rise up people with common sense to resist the new forms of dictatorship in the Western world. Civil disobedience, boycotting the, the businesses which are asking for the Green Pass, going down on the streets with rallies and protests and fighting them in court. We do not comply! We do not comply! We do not comply! We do not comply! Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And today, my friends, we have a very special guest, Mr. James Patrick, who is the director of a new documentary called Planet Lockdown. Planet Lockdown is a documentary and interview series covering the information needed to understand where we are today amidst the COVID, uh, recent years of COVID-related challenges. The full-length film came out on January 15th, 2022. James, it's a real pleasure to have you here on Freedom Hack Radio. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, mate. Well, the place I always like to start is what's given you the most gratitude today, brother? Um, I think all the love mail. <laughs> it's nice. You get a little hate mail, but you get, I get a lot more love mail. So that's nice is uh, being thanked for, for, for all the work. I mean, uh, that went into this and then all, I mean but first and foremost I think all the people that I interviewed um, I'm grateful they came forward and uh, you know a lot of them are were retired or or independently wealthy or something because uh, it's hard to find a lot of people in in universities to speak out because usually they get fired so it's like but when you when you get people that have a lot of integrity to to speak out against against all odds, I think that's very admirable. Like I interviewed um, Aaron Cariotti uh, a few days ago, uh, who was the University of California Medical School. He's a psychiatrist, but he he taught bioethics at the in the medical school, right? So he's the bioethics teacher, and he's like, "This isn't ethical," and they fire him, right? So like, I mean, <laughs> but he's like, "Look, this is the stand. This is the hill we die on," or you take you take the stand on this, and 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 so I think uh, I'm grateful for for those to have the, that have the courage to stand up and do what's right against all odds, because that's really the meaning of of life, I think. 
<laughs> Sorry, Beautiful, just like brother. <laughs> Beautiful man. Yeah, like I really appreciate that. And I'm I'm looking forward to taking a deeper dive on that later on in the conversation. To start off, can you in your words explain what we can expect from Planet Lockdown? Yeah, Planet Lockdown is really a um like it's an initial look at what's going on. It's sort of what is the problem. Um, we go through from the flatten the curve starting out to to the technocracy and then kind of in the last third of the film get into the more philosophical questions of what does it take to say no to look inside to find yourself um, and it's it's really in a high level high quality overview of the whole COVID saga what what happened where where did this come from where are we where, where is this going so. Yeah, and it's a really well put together production and you've got some really high profile people on there. And so people can uh, best understand the capacity of what you've put together. Um, can you share some of the some of the names, titles and positions of people that you interviewed on Planet Lockdown? Sure. Um, well, I interviewed uh, former president, prime minister of Czech Republic, Václav Klaus. Um, who's one of the biggest advocates of freedom in, in Europe, um, having been through the whole communist period. So he draws some analogies to communism. Uh, we had a Pfizer, former Pfizer vice president of 16 years and head of respiratory disease, respiratory illness in, in Pfizer, uh, Michael Eden. He's, he's really outspoken. Then there we got Alexandra Henry Oncoud, who was the former research director of the French NIH, Wolfgang Vodarg, who's a member of German parliament, public health officials, who's the most qualified person to talk about corruption in the WHO, on the death certificates and kind of fudging the death numbers topic. I got uh, Scott Jensen, who's a, a really great family doctor from Minnesota, also a state senator at the time. So yeah, I mean, for each, for each area to cover for the film, I sought to find the highest credential person for that. So um, I think it's really important in this kind of moments to, to have a clear mind and look at what are the real issues. So I avoided some of the issues in the film, which I, I, I don't, I'm not saying they're not important, like alternative therapies, but I just don't find them as, as important right now. Like, you know, I don't want to be like in a prison camp talking about ivermectin. I mean, the real issue is like, the real issues are taking our freedoms away and that's got to stop. And then, okay, yeah, then ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. But I think that there's some incorrect messaging going on here, and overfocus on, on, on some of the caveats of this huge kind of multifaceted racket going on and and deception. So, I think the the key issue people need to understand is our rights are being taken away, and and that's got to stop. And then all these other issues kind of are 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 further down the totem pole. They're legitimate good issues, but I, in the film, I really just, for science, I just focused on the PCR tests not being legitimate. The, the fact that, that there is not asymptomatic spread or it's not a, a meaningful amount. Um, there's just creating fear. And the definition of a pandemic, are we really in a pandemic? Or is this, or is this, are they playing games, word games, or like all these definitions of things kept getting changed and manipulated and the scientific community didn't know, the public doesn't know. So when they hear words pandemic, in this current definition, the common cold can be a pandemic. Yeah, fact, but, but behind the, the scenes, they're, they're changing the definition. And, and so like, really, yeah, it's, it's but that's really awesome. Being clear, this yeah, thing. we got to be clear. What, what are we talking about? 
and 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 I just that that's one thing I think is just a problem in general in society today. People are not clear enough about the terms they're referring to. So I think it's I don't know. I come from a background of that. Like I, I really feel it's very important for people to be precise about what the terms they're using, and um, that's been the main driver of deception in the COVID saga is 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 redefining terms, scaring people with things that they shouldn't be afraid of. So. And it's fact-based information coming from the horse's mouth of people who are high-profile people, um, some of which who have been heavily involved in in this whole industry and process. Um, and it's come out, Planet Lockdown actually came out in a bunch of different languages. How many languages did you guys end up releasing it in? Uh, we got it in 10 languages. And I think I'm, I'm, in, I'm help coordinating maybe three or four more. But that's that's Greek, awesome. Some guy sent in Greek today, which is great. I got the Greek. Greek that's, is in, uh, in Arabic. Greek and Arabic are, are will be up soon. Beautiful. So people all over the world can check it out. Yeah. Um, so what's your what's your vision and your ideal outcome from creating and launching a Planet Lockdown? I mean, really, it's just like an informational tool to help people understand the big picture. Because um, um, yeah, that was my goal, just to just to get get information out there and in a good quality. Um, I had a background in film, um, but didn't really pursue a career in it because it's not kind of a money-making thing to do. So I just was like, I did three short documentaries in high school and college. They're like 15, 20 minutes and then kind of stopped doing it because it just wasn't, it didn't look like a viable career. But then when all this stuff happened, I was like locked in the house, like everybody else was freaking out. And I was like, I'm going to be obsessed with this <laughs> anyway. So I might as well, I have to do something about it. And I can't tell my future children that I didn't, I didn't uh, do anything. I sat on my hands when the like global communism was declared. So like, wow. I just, I put 40 grand and zero interest credit cards and like, bought film new film equipment and and set out to make a documentary on it um so yeah i think so the the value i can offer with doing this is is just is being a bit rigorous in, and and finding the good quality people and and getting them getting them getting interviews with them and 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 i kind of have a more relaxed style of interviewing you know i can be better and i'm getting better every day doing it but it's like just kind of i had the camera on the shoulder and i'm zooming in and out on them a little bit it's shaky you kind of you're it's like you're in the room i'm talking a little informally with them and so it's so it's like you're having a conversation with the person right in the room mm. uh, so i've had a little bit of hate mail like put that damn camera on the tripod but like but i mean all in all it does add to the it's a style that I kind of do it with. And, you know, sometimes it's a little annoying, it shakes, but, but you really do feel like you're right there in the room with them. And you're having this informal, like some formal, semi-informal personal conversation with the people. I yeah. think it, I think it adds a lot to the realism and the person, the intimacy of, of the interviews. It does. Yeah. yeah. It makes it more authentic. So did you have like a tipping point? Like as you're sitting there on your couch, you're doing your own research anyway. Right. But you know, there must've been something that inspired you to, to reach into your pocket, pull out your credit card and throw down 40 grand to, <laughs> to actually start this project. Um, which is really mm -hmm. awesome. And I take my hat off to you for, for doing that. But was there like some kind of like breaking point or tipping point where you're like, all right, I gotta do something about this. I can't just like sit back and, and watch all this stuff happen around me. Yeah, I mean, these bastards are taking my life from me. Like I had, a, I had my whole life planned to do things and 
and have just totally, you know, pulled the rug out from under it and bankrupt everybody and screw everyone over. And I mean, you can't travel around freely. They're putting all these restrictions everywhere. I mean, I was in Spain at the time and like, I, you know, they, uh, they just, they just like were locking the country up and I rented a car and got out of there the day before they locked Madrid. I don't want to get stuck in Madrid. I mean, Spain was a prison, dude. I mean, Spain was awful, like through this. They were, they were, they were even like t harassing people who went to the grocery store to just buy one item just so they could get out of the house. They would like castle you on the street for taking a walk. So, so you're really? allowed to go to the grocery store. And then like, oh, if you just went for one item, they put cops outside the grocery store to hassle people how many items they're buying. I mean, it was just like wow. and Latin America was doing the same thing. They said, oh, men, men and women can go out on different days and different time windows. I mean, like, what what the hell does that have to do with the virus? So, I mean, everything they were, everything that was going down in the COVID thing had nothing to do with the virus. First mm -hmm. of all, is the lockdowns that was shady as hell. You know, I'm, I've studied economics and like, you know, there's no there's no viral rationale to locking everyone down. That didn't make any sense. It's a prison term. Mm -hmm. You lock down prison. It is. And so within three days of it, I it hit me like, okay, this is an economic takedown measure to take down small, medium sized businesses consolidate wealth consolidate the markets they had years and years of inflation and, and ballooning asset prices that needed to, to to decline they needed there was ready for a correction and by having a viral thing you you, you kind of it, it created a great cover for for a collapse and then they went and inflated even more so i mean it's just it's the same old scam again and again under these covers but um so I, yeah, I mean, first it was the economic, then I came back to us and then, and then I was like really frustrated. I started seeing from, from within a week, the vaccine narrative started. And then within three weeks, I started seeing the, all these immunity passport companies getting funded and their promo videos were up on YouTube and like promoting these vaccine credentials and then Gates saying, okay, eventually we're going to have a, a vaccine credential, a digital ID. And then seeing all this interest in digital IDs. So the push for global digital ID seems to be one of the main motives of this um, mm -hmm. to really tag everyone on earth like a cow. And then, and like then, a cow? That's, like a cow. Uh, yeah, like, that's interesting that you say that because I was actually just like thinking this morning as I'm brushing my teeth, I was thinking the things that have been happening over the recent years is kind of like herding cattle and the, and the cattle walk forwards and then a gate closes behind them and they're getting led to slaughter. And then there's another yeah. gate that closes behind them. And it's like, how many gates are we going to let close behind us until we get to a point yeah. where there's absolutely no freedom, you know? Yeah. I almost put one clip of an Australian official actually saying, it's like a cow, you get him through the gate, get him through the gate. And you're like, you know what what is it who, who's that bastard think he is like talking about people like that does he want to be led through a gate and, and prodded and, and and slaughtered i mean what what is this kind of like mentality well i mean like how what 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 sick people will, will willingly harm their their fellow man for what for money i mean i'm from washington dc and i'm telling you that a lot of the people they're not even in dc they're not even about money they're about like power or influence yeah, i get to work control. for this. i get to work for this agency or another i mean these people are scumbags and they need to really like look himself in the mirror and ask like what what is life worth is it worth screwing everyone over for your little career and then what you know what at the end of your days you're going to look back is that 
I mean, where, where is the sense of being noble? And like, anyway, we just need to re, I think the one, one thing I realized more and more is because it's been such a kind of a negative thing making this film and it about drove me crazy, you know, but like just watching COVID videos and like researching all this dark, dark stuff. But mm. Society, we need people, we need to start thinking more about positive things and like, and what we want and the kind of qualities we want to exhibit being the change we want to see in the world. So, that's yeah, what I'm thinking. I, I you know, agree with that. Positive projects. I also, yeah, to like to, <laughs> to bump up the mood. No, I get yeah. it though. And and it's not an area we want to like resonate in for too long, all of this research, but we need to be yeah. informed. We need to understand what's going on because we're not being told the truth. Um, and there's so many different uh, forces at play that are actually stopping the real information from getting to people. And that's why I really honor you for doing what you've done. And so like... Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's taken a while to put this together and through the process, you've been traveling all over the place. You did a lot of travel through Europe and you know, what we would see on the media says that you can't even travel through Europe anyway. And unless you're getting like vaccinated and everything like that. So like what kind of, what was some of the biggest challenges that you faced actually putting this documentary together and getting in contact with people who are actually ready to speak out and, and speak the truth? Yeah, there wasn't, I mean, I think now going to Europe, there are restrictions for vaccines, for, for, but it's country by country. So it's not the same in every country. You still, you still can go without vac vaccines. Uh, the, the two trips I did make from US to Europe, I did have to have special business letters. Mm -hmm. Like there was a general restriction on Americans going there. Um, in the EU, you needed a business reason. So I did have, I did have business reasons or, or like, uh, I did have corporate letters. I think the first time I went, I got a letter from the Prince of Liechtenstein because <laughs> I, we I did an interview with him and then I got stuck. <laughs> the Prince of Liechtenstein? Yeah, yeah. He's he's not included in the film, um, but he's on the full interview page there. It's it's an interesting interview. Uh, so it's it's quite an interesting interview. He's a really good guy. He, he funds a lot of Austrian economics, uh, free market think tank stuff. And what you're actually talking about there is that, so you've got the documentary. So if people go to planetlockdownfilm.com, you'll be able to see the documentary, but you've got the full length interviews um, of extra information and more interviews that didn't actually make it into the documentary as well. So it's not like you just go in there for an hour and a half of information. There's, there's hours and hours of interviews and tons of content there. Yeah. So if you like someone in the film, you can see the full interview and then they go a lot deeper. These interviews go a lot more deep, deeper and a lot more depth with, with facts in different areas. So like there's one interview that's quite interesting with the, uh, this lady in Italy in Modena, she invented uh, or discovered like nanopathology and, and, and uh, nanotoxicology, how nanoparticles can cause different illnesses. So there can be nanoparticles from pollution I think that's most of them, but then there's also engineered nanoparticles. So like, uh, so that's what some of this e-medicine, nanomedicine or graphene stories are, or the, or the nanolipid coatings on, on the mRNA vaccines. Anyway, but to answer, back to the, the last question, I think I, I just, I just flew to Europe and then drove around. So there was no restrictions driving around. A few times I saw checkpoints, but I knew I was never really stopped more than one time. But it's quite open to drive around in Europe. It's flying. I think you're more in the. You're going through all the security every time you fly. But for me, I had all the equipment. And I didn't want any less hassles, so it was much easier just to drive around. And then I, I'm free to, 
to um, to move around. So I think I think things are a lot more open than the media is telling you. There's, yeah. there's a good website, the Internet IATA Travel Center is a great website people can check to find the actual restrictions of each country. So like the media will go telling you you can't do things, but then you check the restrictions is not what they're saying. So the, the, there's they're creating a general impression that you can't do anything unless you're vaccinated. But when you look in the actual government restrictions, it's not the case. So I'd encourage people not to believe the media again. And just, yeah, yeah iatatravelcenter.com, I think you can find the, the actual restrictions for each country. IATA? Yeah, I think it's called the International Association of Travel. I, I put it on my Telegram channel, but okay, cool. ITA Center Travel Center. Yeah. So it's it's for your experience, it's not actually as bad as what they're telling us in the media. And you were able to travel all over Europe and and connect with these people. Um, did you have any challenges when you actually went to to have the interviews with people? Were were there any roadblocks? Were there any people that you're expecting to meet up with that you couldn't meet up with? Yeah, there were a few people like I wanted to interview that didn't want to be interviewed. Um, but I was, I had a lot of luck. There's a great, there's like an interesting guy in uh, Austria. Um, the guy that made the Red Bull. This Austrian okay. guy. And he's been pretty skeptical of COVID. And he started a cable news network 10 years ago. And he kind of bankrolls this thing like $300 million a year, just loses money just to have a more objective cable news and mm-hmm. he, he he he's i wanted to interview the head of his station wittgenstein Wit, i can't remember his name but he he was uh but he was like german speaking and wasn't comfortable with a long english interview and and um so he didn't want to do it but yeah i mean i had i pretty much i'm pretty dogged about it so like when i get done someone i would kind of really like be like really obsessed to get them but I, I got I got most of the people I wanted to interview. Like Vigano, I wanted to do an in-person interview and do a whole film on him. Um, but I was only able to get a remote interview with him. But that's a pretty interesting interview. It's a little it's a little boring with the format of a Zoom or like you know a remote thing. But it's not as good as an in-person one. But uh, but that's quite interesting on the last 250 years of history leading up to this. So he's coming from a like hardcore Catholic perspective. Mm. Uh, but him and Bishop Schneider have a really interesting, I'm not Catholic, but I, it was interesting to me to find these guys that can articulate another piece of the puzzle from, from their point of view. Yeah, it's so interesting to see it from like so many different angles. And I think you've got a good variety of, of guests or people that you interviewed for Planet Lockdown to really like cover a lot of bases from a broad spectrum. Um, a lot of really intelligent people too. Um, so, you know, you've talked about some of the challenges that you had when you're actually making the film. Um, have you felt the force of like anybody trying to stop you or like cancel you, especially in like putting this out there? Is there like certain things you feel like you can't say or um, any restrictions from that point? Yeah, I mean, YouTube and I mean, they, they censor you and then all the main platforms censor you and 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 don't never tell you why they just cancel you and then send you some amorphous shitty email talking nonsense like they say oh you know it's medical misinformation like i interviewed the head of the the austrians like the the fauci equivalent of austria the head of the the, Mm -hmm. you know austria i interviewed the guy and they said oh it's medical misinformation i mean it's the most it's the most like mundane interview it was not not a lot of controversial stuff in there and they canceled that. I think just because it was an interview I put on, because now they cancel. They 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 censor most of the the interviews I put out. 
but are like that that one is it's it's the medical authority and they say oh you're not allowed to have views that that are against the medical who or local health authority and this is the local health authority i'm interviewing him and so like and i'm like i sent an email into the void like oh you guys aren't doing your homework like this is the medical authority under what grounds and they don't respond they never respond they never give you reasons. they don't need to they run their, they run their show they run their platform yeah. they'll cut people off yeah, I mean, it's the, all these tech companies. It's annoying like that. You know, there's no number to call, no human to call. You just send an, send an email into the void. And then they're censoring us and, and they're able to do this because if, if the government was censoring us, that would be illegal. Mm -hmm. So they have all the private companies doing the censorship. It's like mm -hmm. in this whole COVID thing, they got all this, they got this all tied up in a bun because they, they're, they're doing all these illegal things, but they're doing it in the, they're doing them in legal ways through the avenues. So they got like, and I've had a lot of hit pieces, you know, I, I guess some some foundations, there's a sh shadowy interest hired Media Matters, they did attack these, then Washington Post and Forbes magazine, and then and then they, they pulled the GoFundMe, like all in three days, right? And then, and then like, if you go to the Washington Post site, this lackey journalist who's totally incompetent, didn't even watch the videos or anything she's criticizing, clearly didn't know the material she's writing about, but in writing slanderous things and sends me this gooey email which is totally insincere you know and so anyway with, and trying that, to like smear you and trying to like oh, you defame like to, you to comment on this like when we tra trash you and then and then like in the in the in the in the Catherine Austin Fitz interview in passing she says oh maybe these shots for all we know they could sterilize you right they they she honed in on that and said oh they're making false claims about sterilization and like here the, this link to the Johns Hopkins website it clearly shows they're not. You go to the link. The link is some PR site. It has no factual information. It's making all kinds of false claims. To say that to say these shots would not affect your fertility would requires a stage three trial. There is no. There has not been a stage that a final trial that would determine that. And yet this Johns Hopkins PR site is making a bunch of unfounded claims. So you see the 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 maker of the vaccines can't make those claims because then they'd be then they'd be mm. charged for criminal mm. things but johns hopkins can put up a pr website saying that it's not Spons written by sponsored by the vaccine companies yeah, so, <laughs> so they got like you know they had the, the johns hopkins scientists didn't write that page that's a johns hopkins like public relations type person wrote that page making unfounded claims but you see they can make an unfounded claim and then they're not going to hold responsible but the drug company can't but the, 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 I don't know, this Bloomberg is very big in this whole scam. He gave a billion dollars to Johns Hopkins in 2019, 2018 or 2019. And then he's, he's basically, Johns Hopkins runs this fraudulent data network where they have all the COVID cases. So all the health, public health authorities in the world report to this system and refer to it for policy decisions. So from day one, I was watching that not knowing if wow. all this was suspicious, but you should go to it. It's everyone should know this site. <coughs> and it's like, that site is driving the fear and the paranoia. It's this black web page with all these red dots and red numbers all over it. And What's they, it called? It's, I mean, it's called the Johns Hopkins COVID Data Center. Or I, I forgot the exact name, um, but it's, uh -huh. it, it comes right up when you search for it. But this, okay. like, the Johns Hopkins is very important to this this whole thing. And this Bloomberg character, you know, in 2010, he went to this meeting with Rockefeller and Gates and talking called the Good Club, and they were talking about how the population's too high. And, and so I, uh, there's a clear collusion going on here and they have 
they're getting the, the private companies to do the censorship. Johns Hopkins making the false medical claims. The media is just attacking everyone in sight that, that raises a fuss. They got, they got basically the White House and the CDC marketing the vaccines, but not the, not the actual producers of the shots. So like the, the, they've got all the different entities that are basically all working in one in, in unison, but each, all the different entities are doing the things that they can legally do that in normal circumstances, they wouldn't be doing things like that. So, And then the well compound effect on that, on the general public, is there's a lot of people like self-policing too, self-policing things that they don't even really, they're not really well-researched on, that they don't really understand. Um, and I know that, you know, the media wants to smear and kind of crush anything that doesn't go with the mainstream narrative. Yeah. Um, you know, what's some advice you could offer to you know, those who are categorizing anything outside of the mainstream media's narrative as a conspiracy theory and that that has like a negative connotation to it. So what, how do, what do I advise people to, to what, deal with criticism? Well, just, you know, there's, there's people out there that believe when they hear the, when someone says, oh, well, that's conspiracy theory. So many people just like throw the concept in the bin. They won't even look at it. They won't even check it out um you know how do how do we help like bring some awareness to people who actually still are relying on the mainstream who's clearly lying it's the facts and data are just abundant yeah. all over I don't know. the place we got we, we to meet everyone where they're at i don't think we can it's hard not judging people for 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 being mindless but um we got to meet people where they're at and like not get angry with them or pick fights with them or i mean as frustrating as all this is like I, I do think it's important to have some empathy for people wherever they're at and waking up to, to the problems we face, you know, because it's not mm. easy to, to to roll out of bed and say, oh, you know, some some really bad people are running the world <laughs> do not have our best interest at heart. That's that's not an easy cookie to swallow, and I and I understand that, and I have empathy for those that that haven't yet gotten their head around around it, you know. Yeah, it is a big concept, man, and like you know, I, I suppose if people go from their current consciousness, if they don't understand what's going on and they're believing the media to then being open to the fact of what's really going on, pretty much defuncts everything that they understand about the structure of their societies. And so they pretty much have to start from scratch. And I know yeah. for some people just to have the flash of that thought is probably too much of a thing to handle. So, especially you know, maybe if like, especially if like you, you, I had one guy contact me, he was like in medical school, he, he was three years in medical school. And then now they're like, well, to continue the fourth year, you took out all these loans to go to medical school, you got to get injected and da, da, da. And he's like, I don't have a choice. I got to do it. Or, you know, or, or someone who's invested the 20, 30 year career in some, mm. some field. And then the yeah. whole, whole like environment shifts around and you're like, do I just abandon my entire life? I spent my whole life working on. I mean, that's mm. a lot. That's a lot. So I think we got to have empathy for people um, who are stuck in these positions, but, but um yeah, but I think be, just be don't worry about what these what these people are saying. And I mean, you know, don't 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 let it get to you. And I, it's easier or more difficult for for certain people, but um, it doesn't matter what people say. I mean, it's it, what matters is like is if you're a good person, if you're if you have good relationships, you treat people well, you you stand by your word, you're ethical, and 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 uh, you know, I, I would I would encourage people not to to be a part of, of a lot of activities that are 
that are unethical and potentially killing people. Yeah, I mean, totally, totally. It's not worth it. I mean, it's not it's not worth the money, you know. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, you know, what were some of the most important pieces of information that came out through interviewing all of these people? Um, you know, what is what are some of the most important data points that you guys found out through putting this all together? I mean, I guess the stuff in the Catherine interview was probably the most eye-opening. Um, I thought it sounded a little crazy the first time when I did the interview, but as I might, you know, as I looked into it, it, it was unfortunately came true um but then there was i think uh, yeah i just i guess this technocratic sort of build out is is was is pretty shocking um i wouldn't have thought anything like that would have been possible so quickly um i think some of the perspectives of lillian held kawam um about globalization and that basically we're kind of already living in a world government but we kind of think we're in countries there's this sort of integrated corruption how else would they get all the governments of the world to behave the same way saying the same talking points, doing the same policies in the same days. I think a lot of that has to do with IMF World Bank. Loans are are predicated on compliance to COVID insanity, you know? I don't know if everyone knows this, but like these, there's these two UN agencies. So a lot of this, a lot of the problem is, I mean, I think you have, have these like international bankers and then the United Nations is their, their plaything. And then you have WHO is this health, health department of UN. And then you have like I, International Monetary Fund and World Bank were built after World War II to rebuild Europe, but then sort of in the 70s they redefined their they redefined the institutions after they rebuilt Europe to like basically I don't know give help the world help develop the world, and then but there it's really used as this kind of bribery mechanism for a third world dictator. So mm. say hey you know uh, we got free money you know you can have some money or take a loan. If, um, if you push our agenda or if you follow what yeah, we want to so, roll out. Yeah, they'll, they'll say like, well, they'll indebt the country. They'll, they'll give a ton, huge loan to this to these several countries. Then the, typically, depending on the region, they steal different percentages. The leader will steal like half of the money. And then the country has to pay the, the loan back. And they don't have them. They, they're kind of, they're often they're designed not to be paid back. And so then the country goes in debt. And then they and then they got and then to to pay to get another loan they'll say oh, okay well cool we can give you another one and then and then they go deeper and deeper and deeper and then the countries they say oh well we want a concession now you know if we're going to give you another one we're going to want to have like uh you're going to have to let monsanto in there to to like control your grain supplier you're going to have to let this other company in there this other company so these big multinationals are kind of sitting in the same portfolios of the guys that are running the whole thing and so mm -hmm. they'll just go like they'll go and cripple a country the little dictator, the few ruling families that are in on the take on it, you know, do well, but the whole country's in saddled with these debts. So anyway, this is, this is a, one of the control measures I was observing on how the world is kept under wraps. And like, but now with this COVID thing, they're really saying, okay, well now to get all the money, to get the, the, the loans, you gotta like do masks, do vaccines, do passports too. So this, this came out really when the Belarus president um, in 2020, complained about that publicly. He says, he's like, what are these guys doing? They're, they're, they're predicating these, these loans on, on this COVID compliance and like, that's wrong. And so within a month or two, he had like a color revolution on his ass. He had, yeah. so which is suspicious. And I visited Belarus. I had some, I have some friends there, these young, young friends, they were all falling for it. And I'm like, Hey guys, like the minute, you, this guy's not great, but the minute you get rid of him, you're going to be ordered at home 
wearing masks. Yeah. And they're yeah. not getting it. They're believing the counter propaganda that, oh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not vouching for the guy, but like he's better than the puppet they put in. Yeah, he's he's less controlled <laughs> than than the alternative. He he will not tolerate competition to him, right? Mm -hmm. But like, but he's not working for them. So yeah, I'd rather have a national dictator than an international. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's interesting stuff. I mean, I, I can't say that I've had the experience that you have traveling all over the world talking to these high high profile people, but I've been doing my own research for the last five, six years, trying to find out what's really happening behind the scenes with all of these industries, with the pharmaceutical, with the medical, with the agricultural, with the banking system, yeah. with the economy. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting to watch one, the paper trail and see where, where the money's going and where the money's coming from and two, and who's funding things. And number two, who are the people in these kind of third party regulatory, you know, businesses that are supposed to be regulating certain industries but they're actually funded and controlled by the people who are controlling the industries anyway so it's just kind of like you know everyone's kind of pissing in everybody's pocket yeah yeah, yeah interesting interesting stuff so have you received any important updates from any of the interviewees post-production like you know information that didn't make it into the the documentary at the time I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm in touch with them or most of them and they, they, uh, but yeah, I mean, the story keeps developing, um, but there are a lot of different expertises and, and things. So yeah, I mean, this, this whole saga keeps unfolding. I think the, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of aspects to it. I think the most concerning thing is these digital IDs and the passports and, and really people need to understand where this is going. Like, um, like I was just in, in Europe, they, they, uh, push out these national policies of the whole, all of France, all of Italy, all of Germany have to do these measures or passports. In the US, they can't do that because of the, the state system. And so they're sort of like, I, I joke that they're doing this sort of think local, bribe local <laughs> approach where they're bribing all the, the mayors of the, the cities to implement vaccine requirements. So in the US, we don't have the digital QR codes, but they're, they're, they're doing checking paper tickets for your of your vaccine status and like i was like, just in New like Orleans. to get into places like to get into yeah, restaurants well, and bars yeah and... washington dc on the 15th a week ago you can't eat out go to gym do anything without a vaccine uh proof anything wow. new york and new york and seattle where gates is from was did it first now now you got like uh boston chicago and dc announced it for for this month um they announced it last month for this month and then uh, no, I was just in New Orleans, you know, and they got, they got, uh, can't go anywhere. Can't go, can't barely go indoors anywhere without showing a vaccine card. I mean, it makes, this is such a scam. I mean, it makes no sense. You, I go in this busy bar and you're at your shoulder to shoulder with someone and then you're, when you order the drink, they want to see your vaccine card. And then it's like, and then this, the Louisiana is notoriously corrupt and, and uh, they have this, like, they, they, they did create an app for it it's not used but it's like not really used yet but they called it the la wallet the louisiana wallet and it's like because the goal the goal for these things is they're going to merge the money the, 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 there's been a lot of talk and gates ran these uh trial runs in the years leading up to the pandemic in africa to basically do an id system where you have your 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 biometric id some some fingerprint or something and your medical records and your money 
your ability to buy and sell all on one platform. So now they're now they scared the world, and this one probably one of the main objectives of of the whole COVID saga is to to get people afraid enough to accept these digital ID systems. So I mean, he had the global, he had the ID twenty twenty program. The World Bank's had had different ID initiatives like this, but it's they say, oh, it's to help the Africans, you know, so they can have property rights. This is not to help anybody, and, and it only helps the the custodians of these ID systems. It doesn't help the people who use them, and then, and then, and then they also use all these these disingenuous scammy names like green pass freedom passes in australia don't they call it the freedom, freedom. yeah like yeah and it's like no no this doesn't give you freedom it didn't it's the ability it's setting up an infrastructure to deny you your freedom right it's a it's an access denial system it's not an access entry system i mean you don't need the damn thing you know, like just don't have it i mean why so it doesn't make any sense so they're like you know so we've gone from basically lockdowns to now like lockouts you know, so now it's like planet lockout. <laughs> we're, in, we're in, we went from planet lockdown, they normalize that you don't go anywhere and you don't enter businesses to now like, oh, well, if you want to get back into them, you got to, you know, take, take the tag. And yeah, then you want, you next, want your freedom back. <laughs> the next thing is going to be to merge the central bank digital currencies, your ability to buy and sell mm -hmm. onto these ID platforms. So it's very important people do not use these goddamn things because they're 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 the road to hell. I mean, they pretty much get you covered from all angles. They could cut you off from being able to buy and sell. They could say, "Hey, you've been a bad boy. Um, yeah, we're not going to allow you to go anywhere further than like 200 miles from your house. Your card won't work, or your wallet won't work." Yeah, yeah. And in, in England, they said, "Okay, all 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 electric car charging uh, ports have to be hooked up to the internet." Why the hell do they need that? You know, unless they, I mean, this whole push for electric cars is just an ability to do that. And I mean, the, a lot of strange COVID restrictions came out. Like, uh, they, they, in in Germany, I know, in Australia, they had things saying if the cases in, in Germany, they said uh, if, you, if the cases went a hundred per hundred thousand, that people wouldn't be able to go fifteen miles, fifteen kilometers from their house. And then, like, well, what does that have to do with the virus? You know, that is not that has nothing to do with the virus. And so it looks like there, there's this kind of push to have a, a really integrated world where your wallet wouldn't be wouldn't be authorized to transact after given a certain distance. And this, and the Bank of England and uh, Federal Reserve have put out working papers and proposals that they could actually restrict certain kinds of foods you could be buying. They don't want you buying unhealthy. They say unhealthy foods. Uh, they could determine, they could make your money not work with certain sorts of goods that they don't, they don't want you buying. So like, I think it's very important for people to see this, this whole push for cryptocurrency has really worked out. People get very emotional about the cryptocurrency. I was an early advocate of it for freedom, but I, through the course of this film, I've become a bit suspicious that that could have been a rollout of this, of making it cool and marketing it to freedom people getting the freedom lovers to, to advocate sort of digital money. Um, and then like, and then like work out all the algorithms, all, all the things that need to be programmed to make this work. And then they can cherry pick the best pieces of these programs and then integrate them into the central bank digital currencies. And potentially once they come out with the central bank digital currencies, then kind of take the steam out of the crypto markets. Now they're, they're, they're going up, they're rising, everyone buys them, you know, and then you, you make money and everyone's excited and enthusiastic. But then I think some of the people I interviewed thought that once they get to a certain 
once they really get the digital central bank digital currencies online and operating, they'll kind of cut the knees out of the crypto market. Try and, and take control of, yeah, because then, right now it's not centrally controlled. It's actually, that's, yeah. the, that's the beauty of it, right? But, um, but yeah, I also think in the process of doing that, there's a possibility that they'll be able to essentially bail the banks out without directly bailing the banks out as well. Um, it seems like there's a lot of things at play there. Um, and, and uh, yeah, they're, they're certainly going to present it in a way that is very beneficial. Um, and we should even be maybe a little bit suspicious at some of the things that come out that are so beneficial for us that have so many free things to them and benefits to them. Yeah, I mean, there's um, certainly good things about about the crypto currencies and all this. I'm not against it. I mean, technology can be used for good or bad. It's not inherently bad, but but I would say um, it's, it, it is concerning given what's going on now, given the push for the central bank digital currencies is a really primary objective of the central bankers now. And, and the fact that, um, I can't remember what I was gonna say, sorry. There was like about, uh, and that we could be really digging our own grave with it. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll, this idea will come back to me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm in the investment space. I've actually got a couple of Bitcoin mining funds. So I'm pretty bullish on Bitcoin and in the crypto space. But, uh, you know, I study macro and um, I've got my finger on the pulse of what they're trying to achieve. And if, if the central banks that we have in our main countries in the Western world do roll out a centrally controlled digital currency, it is most I mean, certainly... It's a matter it is, of time. You know? Yeah, it's a matter of time and when they're going to do it, really. It's a, and, yeah, um, no, it's a I guess oh, another point that one guest made to me was that they're driving people out of real assets into ether, into ether, into nothing, right? Mm. In, in intangible things. Intangible right? assets, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the concern is, is this could be, and I'm not saying this is the case, but it could be a racket to move people out of real stuff, then they crash that shit and buy yeah. all real stuff. Well, so like the like concept that, of own nothing and be happy, you know? I mean, for me, that, that early promoting. on, like. Seven years ago, I had some gold. I sold it for Bitcoin, and I, I was happy about that. Mm -hmm. But but what if the Bitcoin crashes and I don't even have my gold? You know, so it's like what you, you know. I think we got to keep all possibilities on the table here, and and yeah, and, you know, because because I don't if if things get really controlled. Another thing too is an investigator. Uh, like people are always like, oh yeah, crypto is great. You can you can hide all your money and shit. And they're like, not necessarily. Like. To, to really to bring it into fiat to buy real stuff in the real society you've got to interface with all these horrible regulations on i and, and taxable and, events and yeah, yeah the banking regulations like money regulations kyc aml like i mean no, there's tons of stuff that you have got to, to comply with to get to buy real assets with so it's like you're not you, if you stay in crypto land sure like you know great you, you know you don't you don't you can maintain all this freedom that's great. I'm not against that. But when you have one interact with the real world, you've got to deal with all these institutions, exchanges, AML, KYC, da, 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 da. So it's not yeah. like you're, it, it, it'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, if you can live in just in the crypto space that, you know, I'm all for that, but uh, I'm just saying in practical terms, like to do large transactions, you know, you want to buy some land, you want to buy a house, you want to, if you can't find a guy who's going to be willing to accept a, that payment, you then know, you have I mean, to trans yeah then you have to transmute it into another you currency you have to interface with with all the the regulations and and mm. and that involves identifying yourself and paying your taxes and all this stuff so 
it's not this panacea. Like everyone's like, oh, crypto will solve all our problems. And I'm like, no, 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 we still have all these problems. We still have these gangsters running things and we, we still have to deal with them like mm. on, the, on, on some battlefield. And then, and then, then we can fix all these things or it just, just buying Bitcoin didn't solve all your problems, you know? temporarily and it's um (laughs) temporarily it may and uh i think you know the next couple of years is going to be pretty exciting in the crypto space oh my god um but you know i'm pretty scared to see where we're going to be in about five years with all these centrally controlled digital currencies um uh what what came to fruition as a result of you putting this uh you know documentary together that you just never thought was gonna like happen has anything popped up that just like really surprised you? That's something that happened as a result of putting this documentary together? Yeah, I mean, just just meeting all these interesting people. And um, I just say the whole experience has been really wonderful. I mean, I've spent years reading about all these things, researching economics and central banks and, you know, and then uh, medical fraud and all these kind of quasi esoteric subjects. And now for the making of this film, it really, uh, it all came in handy. And I was able to achieve this because of all this kind of research I had done that was very thankless. And, you know, most, a lot of people criticized me for reading useless information, but, but now it really positioned me to understand this stuff better and able to make a film like this. So yeah, I think the, the greatest thing has just been the culmination of kind of my life's work and stuff. It's been very fulfilling. Yeah, man. I couldn't even imagine all of the challenges and all the pieces that you need to pull together to make this happen. Um, uh, I just, I, th- I think that's amazing that you actually like did this and put it all together. Um, is there, <clears throat> how have you grown as a person, like as a producer to actually have done this and put this together? Grown as a producer, like as a person, I, um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's been, I think I've grown up a lot from it. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say, like, just say what, what, in what way or whatever, whatnot. But um, I don't know. Just it's been really nice, just going for it and just doing it, not being afraid to do it. I think I've had my moments of paranoia or like, <laughs> or like caution or not sure about this or that or, but but it's. I think the more you do it, the more you act fearlessly, the the, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. So taking the first step is often the hardest. Um, and I definitely had, a, I mean, like, look, after I got all this footage, I'm ed- editing, I think it was the hardest part because I'm just stuck in the cave trying to edit, put together this whole thing. And, and, mm. and it was just like impossible. I mean, it's just like, where do you even begin, you know? And then I, I tried narrating it. I didn't like the way it sounded, it didn't sound good. Mm-hmm. And then so I was like, tried, then I was like pulling it together without narration. And that is really hard to put like bite after bite and not have a panic attack or a seizure. <laughs> so, but it, it finally, like I went through so many, ver- so many edit, 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 edit. And finally, like, I didn't know, I didn't know it would be good until it was the very end in the last minute. So it's an I mean, awesome yeah. production, man. You really, really put together an awesome documentary. So mm-hmm. like having being said and done with this, you know, going back, doing another documentary, is there any like major things that you'd change in your approach? Um, I don't know if I would have changed for that, the production of that one. I don't know if I could have done I could have been done more, been a little bit more organized. I could have shot more drone footage, shot more B-roll. You know, like just just some technical stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Film could probably use a bit more of that, you know. So, but it's just I don't know. It's just a lot to deal with. Like just me 
just the camera, you know, I got to do the camera, the lighting, the audio, the this, that. And it's just like, I just getting to the interviews and shooting them was like already a lot of work. And, you know, but, so I was, I was a little tired to like, oh, now I want to take an hour and do drone footage. Or, uh, I mean, it was just, but anyway, anyway, no, I, I guess for, for future ones, I think I'll, I'll probably hire, hire someone to help me with each interview so I can have a second hand, you know, um, and, and plan things a little bit more Then I can free my own head up to plan more. Um, Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, looking into the future, if you had your way and everything worked out in a perfect world, you know, what does the future look like um, as a result of getting this information there and people having more consciousness, um, you know, what, what does the perfect world look like you for you in like, you know, three to five years? I guess the perfect world we'd have, we'd have people put pressure on the, wake up and have a bit of courage to, to, to say the truth and, and put pressure to get some attorney generals to throw some of these bastards in jail. I mean, sh shut, shut off the central banks. I mean, you know, get, get rid of this, this really scammy financial system we have. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's very exploitative. Um, and I think, a lot of people are waking up to a lot of these huge problems at work. Um, so I do have a lot of, I do have a lot of confidence in that. I think, I think 80% of people know there's some, this is something really wrong with this, mm. but, um, but like having good leaders, you know, to, 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 to lead movements. I think we're lacking that right now. I don't see a lot of great leadership, but I mean, that's a, that's an opportunity I think for, 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 people to shine and, and to take take the rent, the reins of this. Um, but yeah, really, I want some criminal charges. I want people in jail. I, I want these people rounded up who are doing this and, and, and the government officials who are doing this to be laughed out, you know, thrown in jail and, and, and discredited. I mean, public health is, is, is highly fraudulent at this point in time. They're, they're really hurting people in the name of health. And, and that's just so, I don't know how they can say with a straight face, you're, you're looking out for public health. When you're, when you're taking people's rights away and ordering them around like slaves, I mean, and injecting them with things that that are highly questionable that have not yeah. been tested or properly like vetted or there's no protocol, there's no oversight, there's no one testing these vaccines and there's no there's no meaningful trials and and anything could be in this things. I mean, it's just like how can you call yourself the whole public health field drives me crazy. Yeah. 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 And it's wild, man. And there's like some crazy statistics, like real statistics out there. Like, you know, I think it was like 42 or 47% of people that ever died from vaccine happened in a three month period after COVID vaccines came out. And, you know, there's all these videos of people, professional sports players, like dropping dead on the field and like dropping down and, and getting taken off the field after having vaccinations. None of that stuff's like making it into the news. All of this information's being withheld. It's, uh, it's quite mind boggling um, when you actually see the real information behind the scenes. So on the flip side of a coin, talking about a non-perfect world, what scares you the most if a lot of the you know, agendas that are being attempted to be pushed out right now come to fruition, what scares you the most about that scenario? I guess just people being like zombies and just not not really thinking for themselves. And because the meaning of life is really, I mean, we're here. I think we're really kind of incarnated here to to express our individual 
we're each on a journey here to discover who we are and express who we are. And so when we're not in touch with our own individual personality or and characters and, you know, it's like, I guess the loss of individuality, I find the, the scariest thing or like the most ugly thing to see is, is people just going along, just kind of in a zombie state. Yesterday I was walking on the street and this lady was like, oh, she's looking around for someone on the ground. I was like, what'd you lose? And she's like, oh, my ear, my eye earbud. And I was like, you know, those things just beam through your skull. Like, why don't, why don't wear those things? And then she, she was like looking at the phone, couldn't even hear me. So it's just like, I mean, people like desensitize out of their own. They're not present with the world. And they got all these devices and things that are that are zoning them out. So, uh, yeah, I think it's important for people to 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 unplug from these things. You know, I God knows I could use it. And then and then like and then and then live your life and be present with your own your own soul and your own uh, sense of self and and then share that with others and, and have fulfilling relationships with others. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these things, are like, they're like a gift and a curse, like the internet. There's so many amazing things that we can do. We're doing this right now for the internet. Then there's so many other things that, that come along with it. We've got to be careful for, and we have to be conscious of, and we have to kind of like think ahead and see where, where's this really going in the future. And um, I think yeah. it's important that we have strong consciousness. So, you know, <clears throat> what, what does the ultimate freedom lifestyle look like for you? How would you, what does it look, smell, and taste like to have an ultimate freedom lifestyle? Um, uh, ultimate freedom lifestyle? Like what is, what is freedom or what is the lifestyle? To you, like if, if you were to explain a perfectly free life, you know, what would that experience be like? I think a fer- perfectly free life would be one where where you're you're able to 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 buy and sell freely, conditionlessly, only based on 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 you and the people you trade with. So not having barriers or restrictions to freedom of of uh, of 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 expressing yourself through through money. So the freedom of trade, I think, is is important. Um, that that inv- involves less government, not more. I, I think. A lot of these NAFTA free trade type things are are, are are actually mercantilism. They're not free trade. So there's been a lot. There's a lot that's kind of a loaded, complicated area sometimes. But, um, um, and then, I guess freedom of movement. You're allowed to travel without unnecessary restrictions and burdens. And, um, and then I guess, in freedom of of. Um, freedom of speech, you know, you're able to speak freely without being targeted and <laughs> demonized. So yeah, I guess a free life. I mean, I think I had a pretty free life before this, <laughs> but I think it's just, yeah, it's something we should all be mindful of and, and, and protect and covet and fight for because it's the, you know, what, what the hell is a slave life worth? You know, you know, what, okay. You got, you got some job, but you're sitting at home working online. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere without some crazy paperwork thing. I mean, the, what, anyway, I don't know. What, what yeah, I, I, I'm hearing you. And I think that, you know, some people maybe even validate 
making certain decisions right now. Oh, well, like I'll do this to keep my job or, or whatever. And I understand there's a lot of people in pressured positions. I totally get that. Um, but I was talking to one of my friends in Australia the other day, and he was telling me of, of people that he knew that had been getting the vaccine. And I said, well, what was their experience like? Cause as far as I know, they didn't want to do it. And he said, yeah, they were actually like crying while they were getting it. And I, I just had a picture in my mind of just going, well, that, that's terrible for that experience to happen. Someone doing something against their own will. I'm just wondering what the compound effect of multitude of people having that experience is going to be like in years to come. And um, yeah, that's, like, that concerns me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've talked to a lot of friends who were like, like one friend in Canada and she was like, I was like, don't you find this vaccine thing creepy? And she's like, oh yeah, it was six months ago. She's like, oh yeah, very creepy. And then it's like, I talked three months ago and she's like, oh, I took it. And da, da, da. So it's like I'm talking to people who've been broken. Mm. You know, you're like, so like, I think people think about that. Do you want to be a broken person? You know, and even if you've, even if you've been broken, doesn't mean you can't put it Stuff. together again and, and, yeah. and, and be whole again. But it's just like, don't let these bastards crack people and break. They're using all these sort of tactics about really to psychologically break people. And that, that is just, that's, that's annoying to watch. It's friends of mine I've respected. Then being like, oh, I'm a broken Smurf, and you're like, Smurf, <laughs> not good, dude. Like, don't do that. Dude. Just don't do. It. Like, I talked to one friend in Turkey yesterday. And I was like, don't take any more of those shots. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 man. And you know, like freedom of choice. I mean, this is Freedom Hack Radio. I'm all about freedom. And if people really feel compelled to to do things, you know, they can do it. But I just, I've just heard so many stories of people who are resentfully doing it, going into it, resentfully doing it, or actually, you know, doing it and then feeling really resentful afterwards. I just, you know, I'm, I, it concerns me what that's going to do to people's souls and, and how that will change communities. Um, you I, don't know, think, to- I think that's where most people are at in the West because, because a lot of people took these things. I don't really believe all the statistics, but at least half the people <laughs> appear to have been taking these things. And then, and then, and then I think a lot of people maybe signed up for the vaccine and then, you know, maybe even a booster, but the perpetual boosters, I mean, that's a whole other animal. You're talking boosters and boosters and boosters and every three months, six months, booster, booster. I mean, that, that isn't something that people signed up for, you know, so, Mm -hmm. so that, that could be a real turning point. You know, that's, and- that's the gates closing on the cattle. And, and, you know, recently the, I think it was the, the president uh, or the prime minister of Israel um, was actually saying, yeah, you guys shouldn't be taking these boosters. If you want to keep your immune system healthy, um, there's a certain point where you kind of like you're going past the point of no return and uh, it's very detrimental to your health. So, you know, there's even a lot of people speaking out on that, you know, publicly that's making the mainstream news. Yeah, so that that could be a turning point. So we got to be so these people that took these shots and maybe submitted to a certain extent, they're not gonna. I mean, they, they should become. It's okay. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to mm-hmm. to learn and grow and 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 realize you made mistakes. I mean, making mistakes is is a key part of of, of learning. And and mm-hmm. so I don't think we should just jump on everyone who did that, or 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 you should feel it's hopeless if you did do it. Like. N- one point that Daniel Monell makes in the film, he says, you know, it's never too late. Mm. You know, if you're in a, and I said, well, but no, they did this and that. And he's like, well, what do you mean, James? And like, if, look, if they, if you're alive, then it's not too late. If you're, if you're still living and able to make a decision. You can stop it from getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. The, the very fact you're alive and, and 
conscious is, is shows it's not too late. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And so for all of you, all of you freedom hackers out there that are jonesing to watch this documentary, you can check it out at uh, planetlockdownfilm.com. We're going to have a link in the show notes. Um, is there any other, uh, you know, format of communication or how people can keep the conversation going with you? Yeah, I'm also launching a site. It's a source.news. So there we have a news aggregate and um, legal resources and scientific resources to defend yourself and 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 show the the irrationality of all this and as well as a, a film you know films and videos and uh, a social social network forum and groups so for people to connect and find each other so it's under construction and it's 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 uh, still being built but it's source.news so all the new interviews I'm going to release on there. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So that's planetlockdownfilm.com to check out the documentary and to also see the other interviews, uh, the full length interviews that were happening by the scenes and even some that didn't make it into the documentary and then source news. Um, and we're going to have links for both of those in there as well. Um, so excellent. Uh, any, any final words? Um, yeah, people should just be, you know, don't watch too many COVID videos and, <laughs> and I think be, be strong, live free and, and, and fearless and don't, you know, let, let look inside and be a good person. You know? <laughs> Beautiful, man. Well, I'll tell you what, James, I really, really appreciate you coming here on Freedom Hack Radio, sharing your knowledge with us. Um, I can't thank you enough for putting together this awesome documentary. It really, really is amazing. I, I really urge all of you to check it out, watch the whole documentary. It's jam-packed with, with some really awesome facts and data and uncovering the truth by some extremely high-profile people all over the world. Um, it's taken a lot of courage for you to put this together. Um, you, you reached into your pocket and you funded this yourself. I really, yeah. really, really also take my... If you also donate if you can. It didn't make it possible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, donate, don't support the cause. I mean, you know, what you've done is amazing. You've sacrificed your time. Um, you've really put yourself out there. And I really, really, really appreciate you, brother, for putting this together. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you, appreciate Thank you very much. Time, yeah, yeah, and thanks a lot for joining me today. And for all of our freedom hackers, I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. Until next week, live large, live free. G'day, this is Bryce Robertson. I'm your host here at Freedom Hack Radio, and I truly, truly hope that you got a ton of value out of the episode that we just shared with you. And if you did, make sure to subscribe on your YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. Hit the notification button so you can find out about the next episodes as they come out. Because if you haven't achieved financial time and location freedom, you really need to be dialed in here. So make sure to subscribe and follow us along as you grow on your path to financial time and location freedom here at Freedom Hack Radio.